Hello, everybody. This is a Penn State football podcast brought to you by FourthGloryBoldState.com. I'm Craig Rosala, and I'm joined by Brandon Musso. How are we doing today, Brandon? I'm doing good. Uh, we're meeting digitally for the first time. Um, last week, we didn't meet because of uh, some COVID concerns this week. Same thing, but we need to get back to doing the pod, despite Penn State moving to 0-4 for the first time since 2001. Tough start, better finish, but not good enough in the end of the day. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of missed last week, but then I kind of realized, do I really want to talk about that game again? <laughs> yeah, that was that was a tough one to watch. At that, you know, for the Maryland game, it was like, just, just get it over with. Just get it over with. <laughs> and then yeah, the start of this game was the same way. It was, oh, man, like, not again. Like, the turnovers, the, you know, Sean Clifford, just a really, really poor showing. The the interception, which was – was Nowhere near most, anyone. Yeah, it it was the most obvious interception. That I'm surprised it wasn't returned for a pick six because you see so many of those throws go for a touchdown the other way. And then also the fumble, the sack fumble, scoop and score, that went for a touchdown. And, I mean, that was the tail of the first half for Penn State down 27-6 at halftime. Really, really just a tough start. Yes, they made the move to Will Levis, but still in the first half, they couldn't really get anything going. The defense was um, in poor field position the whole game, or the whole first half, rather. Uh, because of the, the offense and their turnovers. And then Luke McCaffrey, he provided a spark for the Nebraska offense his first start of the year. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think we're, I mean, accustomed to seeing Adrian Martinez in a normal season, but um, I think we kind of saw a new quarterback look that we, I guess, weren't really prepared for. And uh, let me tell you, he uh, went all over the field on that Penn State defense. Yeah, he definitely lived up to his last name. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, we know what his brother is, but I guess now we know a little bit about who he is. So he had a, they had a nice uh, touchdown drive um, to open the game. Um, another field goal where they really should have had a touchdown. They dropped a third down conversion in the end zone, wide open. Penn State did answer back to make it 10-3. From there, you know, I'm a Yankees fan, and, you know, we talk baseball a little bit on here. Another <laughs> bet killing my team. Usually it was Mookie with the Red Sox. Then uh, that's from Nebraska had a 45-yard run to make it 17-3. The 24-3, um, Nebraska went up 24-3 after the Clifford um, scoop and score. And, you know, a couple field goals later from both Penn State and Nebraska, 27-6 at halftime. But we get to the second half, Penn State looked like a different team behind um, Will Levis. He provided a little bit of a spark. The running game got going. Um, obviously, Will Levis is the running style quarterback as opposed to Clifford who throws a little bit more um, than he runs. And we saw one of the true freshmen, Kevon Lee, have a nice big run, um, to a 31-yard touchdown run. And we saw the running backs in general in the second half get going. I know you, you like Kaziah Holmes a lot. Kevon Lee had a big run. Um, pretty, pretty good showing in the second half from those guys. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it last podcast. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't understand why we had Ford in um, for the majority of the Ohio State game and really didn't see either Lee or – Holmes. Uh, I'm glad, you know, this week against Nebraska, we finally got to see both of them play, um, which is what we're going to need going forward because Ford just doesn't get the job done. I thought Ford had an okay game um, in, in, you know, in general, especially when Nebraska's going all out to stop the run. You know, he had 16 carries for 66 yards. He's actually their leading rusher. He did have a touchdown late, but I thought like the, in terms of the timeshare of the running backs is a lot better than it has been where, Ford got 16 carries, Holmes got four, and he had the big 36-yard run. 
and Lee got eight for 49 with a touchdown, 31-yard um, touchdown run. Better distribution than we've seen the last couple weeks. Yeah, I, I think we just we just need to see all of them because, I mean, we went into the season thinking that we were going to have a really deep group there, um, and obviously we talked about it a lot. Their top two guys are done now. Um, so it's time to move on to the next guys. It can't just be the one guy. You know, Ford wasn't expecting to be the starter. And I think going forward, he needs to kind of split the carries with the, the rookies, if you will. Yeah. Now, I think the, the story of the second half for the Penn State offense, there's two stories, really. One was they had a little bit of, uh, you know, oomph to their offense, I would say, with the running game. Um, Will Levis provided that spark. And they were able to get within a touchdown. The other story is they were – absolutely driving the ball up and down the field on Nebraska. But when they got into the red zone, their offense really stalled. Um, what were some things that you were seeing from the Penn State offense that you you think led to those struggles in the red zone? You know, well, I mean, I'm going to talk about it a little bit later um, when we get to the bail bag. But I think really it's just all about the the play calling. It was just mind-boggling the, the plays they were running, very low percentage um, the fade routes, I, I, I'm, I'm done with the fade routes. They never work. I don't understand why we're still doing them. It seems like they had, you know, a nice mix of plays going down the field. And then right when you got to the red zone, it was just like these weird plays, uh, low percentage plays and just didn't get the job done. And that was, I mean, towards the end of the game, that was two red zone chances in a row where they stalled out because of bad play calling. Yeah. They were down seven for both of those opportunities and both times went four and out. Um, in the red zone. Um, I agree. I hate the fade routes. That I, I saw a tweet yesterday from a baseball writer that was like, I want to know why coaches call these fade routes because it seems like they never work. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have DeAndre Hopkins in the red zone or in the end zone for you, yeah, I guess it works, but we don't have that. Jahan Dotson's our best guy. He's even not really, you know, that red zone threat that, you know, a top-notch receiver is. He, he's a good receiver, but he's not that fade route guy that we should go to just about every play. Um, and we saw him have his worst game of the year on Saturday against Nebraska. Um, and then even the fourth downs, we had a fourth and ten, and we threw a pass five yards short of the sticks uh-huh. um, with, you know, three guys surrounding our receivers. So um, play calling definitely, you know, it has been an issue all year. In the red zone, it was really an issue where, we could not uh, get within, you know, we couldn't tie Nebraska and send this game to overtime, or even if we took the lead um, with two touchdowns or a touchdown and a field goal um, when we were down seven in those last two possessions. That's I, that's really what it uh, came down to at the end of the game, was being able to score in the red zone. Yeah, and that's going to be a problem moving forward. I mean, they had a chance to get their first win of the year because it came down to that. I mean, they were in that game, unlike Maryland. But, you know, Nebraska – has given up um, quite a few points this year. And I thought the Penn state wouldn't have that much troubles, but apparently the red zone is the issue right now for the, for the play caller. Now, I think that, you know, kind of segues into um, the debate going forward. Um, Yes. Penn state did lose the game and we saw Will Levis come in late. uh, Well, I shouldn't even say late. He came in in the first half after the scoop and score and he performed Uh pretty well late, you know, um, but we do see that he's very limited in terms of throwing the football, which is I, which is why I think the play calling was limited as well, where it was a couple fade routes. It wasn't, you know, maybe a couple of, you know, different plays where there are more complex uh, route patterns. 
so that Will Levis has to go through his um, his reads a little bit. I think they simplified things, made one read, here's where you're going to throw it, and here's what we're going to do in the red zone. So going forward, what do you think Penn State's going to do with their quarterback situation? James Franklin said after the game that they're going to review the film, they're going to go over what they saw on tape and make their decision from there. We saw the first couple drives from Sean Clifford. I don't think he's going to be the starter on Saturday. So does the playbook get opened up a little bit for Will Levis if he starts? Um, and is he the starter going forward? What do you think? Yeah, I know you kind of expressed that you weren't really as that big on Levis. Um, but, I mean, at this point, I don't even know how you could even justify putting Clifford back out there. Um, but at least for next week, it doesn't have to be permanent. But, I mean, you might as well give Levis a chance again. Um, like you said, I saw a little bit of a spark um, when he came in. Um, I think if we could kind of keep the momentum rolling with someone like that, it would be really beneficial to the team. And, you know, like I said, maybe he doesn't have the best arm, but the way Clifford has been throwing it, I mean, how could you some, How could you keep, you know, putting him out there? Like, something needs to change at this point. Um, and even, you know, if Levis doesn't work out, I know you mentioned it today, love to see a little bit of Roberson kind of just – use the depth, like we said a bunch of times, like this season is kind of like a rebuilding season. Let's see some young guys come out. Um, and he's just one of the guys that we could use. Yeah, now you're right. I haven't been the biggest fan of Will Levis throughout um, last year after the Ohio State game where he did pretty well. And then this year when, he came, you know, a couple of packages he came in and, you know, it seemed like we got a loss of yards um, <laughs> running the ball with him. Uh, but he proved a lot to me on Saturday. You know, he, he was gutsy. He, he led this offense back. We had a chance to win the game because of him. So I give him a lot of credit in leading his Penn State team back. I do think he deserves a shot to start on Saturday and see what he can do. We saw him do it last year, and, he you know, he got the win. Granted, it was against Rutgers, but he can do it. He's, he's you know, a backup that could do it. And you're right. I would love to see Taquan Robertson because this is – we're 0-4 a bowl game. I don't even know if that's going to happen. I'm not too concerned, <laughs> but let's see what we have. Um, if, you know, we saw Robertson for a drive last year at the end of the year, let's see him, you know, handle a game or handle, you know, a half. I think that'd be a really good idea and um, see what we have. You know, it's a little bit easier on some of the positions like a receiver where we've seen a bunch of the freshmen, we've seen a bunch of the freshmen running back out of necessity, but Quarterback's a little bit different, but I still think it'd be a good idea to give these guys a shot in a, a rebuilding type of season. Yeah, and in Levis's case, I think as he goes on and plays more games, you'll kind of see him become a little more comfortable, and maybe you know they open up the playbook with him a little bit. One thing I did notice was that he was kind of forcing a lot of balls in there. I don't think he was reading the coverage all that well. Um, a couple of balls into um, some dangerous um, situations with coverage. Um, so hopefully maybe a couple um, reps, some more reps at practice all week. And then, you know, another game will kind of get him a little bit more comfortable in the offense. Yeah. He did say after the game that he only got, a, you know, a handful of first team reps going into this game. Um, everything else was with the second team. It has, as it has been the last couple of weeks for him um, and the last couple of years. Um, but I think, you know, hopefully, We'll hear about this more a little bit tomorrow morning when James Franklin has his press conference, whether Levis will be the starter or if, you know, they're going to split the reps or whatever it is. But I think that's going to help Levis in practice. I think it's going to help um, Kurt Sirocco open up the playbook a little bit more, which is something that I'm still looking for. 
I'm still looking for Kirk Soraka to adjust the playbook here. Again, I keep watching all these other college teams. Um, you know, Notre Dame I was watching a little bit the other day. I'm watching the NFL games yesterday. There's so many times where these teams go in motion, pre-snap, to, again, not only see what the defense is doing, but to get them out of alignment, you know, get them all, you know, flustered. And we just don't do that. We're, anytime we make a, a change, we make a, a change to our read, we're stagnant. We're very stagnant. We're very static on our offense. I just want to see some, some movement from these guys. They're, you know, they're not, you know, six-year-old men out there that don't want to move. They're, they're young guys. Like, get them moving a little bit. Let's see what – let's create different matchup opportunities, please. Yeah, and, I mean, even though they were moving the ball with Levis, I, I still thought that there was a lot of very predictable plays. Um, a lot of design quarterback runs, RPOs that just got sniffed out immediately. Yeah, I, I have to say, like, it wasn't the most efficient way of driving down, up and down the field on Nebraska. It was a lot of, oh, wow, we, we converted that one. <laughs> Great. Um, it wasn't like consistency by any means, but right. it, was it, was, it, it was something that in an 0-4 season, it was kind of a bright spot to see this team, you know, I was expecting after halftime, 27-6 to just, you know, if they put up 50 on us, I wouldn't have been surprised at all. But they fought back to their credit, and, you know, they they did have a chance to um, – some of the end of overtime were even winning. So, story of our season right now. Halfway it's another through. loss for us, yeah. another loss. Yeah. And we talked about the quarterback situation a little bit and, you know, the young guys and seeing who we want to see. I have a question for you. At this point in the year, we're 0-4, and a lot of our team is pretty balanced in terms of – the, the classes or, you know, we don't have an all senior type of team, like maybe like 2017, we don't have an all freshman team either by any means, but what do you think of possibly seeing more of these younger guys as we go through the season? Um, I know some of these older guys, I saw today Shaka Tony and Tariq Castro Fields got their invites to the senior bowl. So they kind of had their plans for the off season in, uh, in place right now. What do you think of seeing some of these, younger guys taking on more of a role and seeing what we can do with them, even though it's kind of tough because you, you do want these older guys to have a chance at improving their draft stock, despite how poorly they may be playing actually. Yeah. I think it just, I think you just have to have a good mix. I, I don't think you should go, you know, one way, all of the older guys, and then, you know, maybe do like a wholesale change of just all the younger guys. I think you just need to kind of um, rotate guys in and out, which, you know, Franklin has done a good job with, with that throughout his whole, um, career at Penn State so I think if we just kind of see um, a little bit more of them but you know not too much I, I still think like I these guys that are going to be leaving want to play out there last season um, for the most part and get more reps rather than less reps we have plenty of time to see these guys the younger guys if, as long as we kind of just um, throw them in the mix you know a little bit of experience this year um, maybe towards the end of the year give them a little bit more experience but not like a crazy amount just kind of yeah, so um, not, a well-balanced approach to that. So not like a going to extremes type of thing. Rotate guys in where you can and maybe um, yeah. expose, you know, we talked about the quarterback situation, maybe expose guys in different scenarios there. Um, a couple reps a game I think is, yeah. is good. I mean, if you take away like 10 snaps from certain guys, I don't think that's the end of the world. And no. being different guys in different situations, um, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you there. Um, some fans I see on Twitter are just like, play all the young guys. Let's see our freshmen. <laughs> you may yeah. not like what you see. <laughs> and yeah, then you're, I don't. 
Then you're saying, oh, what do we have coming in? Well, our recruiting class and they're oh, what do we have after that? Yeah, but, you can't just you can't just throw all the freshmen in uh, in the fire immediately. Um, you got to give them, you got to ease them into it. Yeah, I I agree with you there. We'll see what they do with it. Much as fans think that James Franklin's giving up on the season because of the record and you know the stuff he has going on at home, where he hasn't seen his family in months because um his daughter has sickle cell, um so he doesn't want to expose her or any of, any of his family to a possible virus case. You know, I think he has the well-being and, you know, the future of this program and, you know, the front of his mind here where he wants to help these guys that are older and want to get drafted and improve their draft stock and also keeping a good product on the field so that, you know, we don't want to be getting shut out at home by 50, you know, he's not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just, just give it a good mix and and don't take too much playing time away from the seniors. You know, they've, they've earned it at this point. Yeah, I agree. Um, so touch on QB, touch on the young guys from this game, some of the positives from Nebraska. You want to get to the mailbag here? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we have one mailbag question this week from Brendan Peterson. His question is, how does this team look if they get a full training camp with the new OC? I think this is a great question. I believe you do as well. Yeah. I love this question because I don't think this is something that should be overlooked. We know this team is 0-4 because of a number of reasons at this point, but one of them has certainly been the play calling. Um, Kirk Karacha hasn't really impressed me, um, but you know this whole season I've been urging patience on him, although I'm starting to lose it a little bit myself yeah. at this point. But, but this is the main reason why that they've been limited. They haven't been, he hasn't been able to work with the team as much as you would normally work with them throughout the, throughout the offseason. It takes time to get comfortable with his players, and it takes time for the players to get comfortable with him. I mean, really, I expected a lot more from him in terms of play calling, and there's a high chance that it would have been a much more impressive season had he no had like a full spring camp, maybe a blue-white game, um, you know, full summer camp. I think that's a lot of reps that um, he could have had with his players and the players could have had with him that are really kind of hurting him at this point. Um, I know we just talked about it before, like, He's kind of limiting the playbook and, you know, that could be for a number of reasons, but one of them being that he just doesn't know, you know, what these guys strengths are and what their weaknesses are and what kind of plays that put them in the best position to, to succeed. No, I, I totally agree. I think that's a great question. And I think it applies to the whole offense as a whole. Um, Cause it's not only is Kurt Soraka new, um, our offensive line coach is brand new, Phil Troutwine. The offensive line struggles this year. You would think they would have improved under Troutwine because of his um, his resume leading into Penn State, but they've struggled, and it could be a comfort thing. It could be a lot of different things that we don't know about because we're not there. We're not in the buildings each day with these guys. And also, um, one of the bright spots of this team has been the wide receivers, especially Dotson. And, you know, Washington had a big game this weekend. Keandre Lambert-Smith has shown some signs as a true freshman as well. Taylor Stubblefield has done a great job with these guys. So with different coaches, it's different adjustments. You know, when Sirach is not only the office coordinator, he's the quarterback's coach. And we've seen the struggles of the quarterback position this year. So for me, you know, I, I, I do criticize him more than you do at this point in the year in terms of being stale and, you know, stagnant on offense. But could that staleness on offense be because of the simplicity he wants to put in, where he doesn't want a lot of guys moving around, where he doesn't want to um, throw too many different um, route combinations in? because he's not sure if his guys can't go out and execute it. That might be the deal. 
Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think Soraka's in trouble of losing his job after this year. I'm not clamoring for that at all. Mm -hmm. um, but I think next year, if things are a little bit more normal, I think that's, that's when we can really judge him and, and say um, what our final evaluations are of him and his offense and what he brings to this um, Penn State uh, football team. And also, one other thing I saw on, online this weekend was he's not working with a quarterback that he recruited. And, you know, you, you see a lot of the NFL teams, you see a lot of these college teams where the, the coach wants his hand-molded quarterback that he picks – and if they don't get them, they kind of just move on, especially in the pros. He, he didn't pick, he didn't recruit Sean Clifford. You know, that was the, you know, uh, a, a Ricky Ronnie type of move, or that's who he recruited. Joe Moorhead might've been in that process as well. You know, so it's not somebody that might be tailor made for his offense. Just like we saw um, Christian Hackenberg trying to run the, you know, a little bit of a spread offense. We're like, that doesn't work. You know, it could be kind of the same deal. Um, I think it's a great question from Brendan. And thank you for for asking it. Yeah, I'm glad we got some some new mailbag questions here. Yeah. Um, so thank you again. Um, again, if you're interested in uh, asking us some mailbag questions, just respond to our posts on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and as you can see, we'll answer them pretty in depth on the show. Thank you. All right. Um, with this game, do you have anything you want to add um, as we wrap it up? Um, what? Let's see some. Let's see some Levis. Um, no more Clifford for, for now. That's all I got. Yeah. Um, you know, Clifford's gonna, I think we'll see Clifford again at some point this year. I don't know when or why or how, but I think he's going to be on the field at some point again. Um, with the five games left being the year. Um, but you know, let's see Levis get a shot. Maybe we see some Robertson as well. Who knows? Um, and we talked about it a little bit where we want to see a little bit of a mix of the younger guys coming in, but let's not just throw the older guys to the side because they have some things in their future that they're looking to um, accomplish as well. So, you know, let's keep mixing it up. I mean, I'm not, here's the thing. I'm not looking for, for wins anymore because we've, we've gone through the ugly wins the last couple of years and been like, Oh, this seems playing terrible, but Hey, we won. I want to see this team play really well. And if we don't win, it's not a big deal right now. Yeah, this is this is the time for. I mean, we just talked about Kirk getting reps. Like, get your reps, man. This is <laughs> this season's perfect for it at this point. It's <laughs> it's a lost season. Um, we're zero and four. <laughs> we don't have a win yet. Um, still can't believe that. But um, you know, this is a time that you can use to clean up all your mistakes. And I think that's kind of what you know Franklin and the whole team should be working on going forward. Yeah, I mean, we have Iowa this week, and then one more week until we have the uh, the big disappointment bowl out in Ann Arbor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see how that game goes. That'll be an interesting one. Yeah, we'll see if – I don't think James Franklin's in any um, trouble with getting fired, but Jim Harbaugh, he, he really might be after that showing on, on Saturday night against Wisconsin. Yeah, um, I mean, Franklin's definitely had a uh, – a rocky road uh, from the fans so far, but uh, I think Harbaugh's had it coming for a couple years now. Yeah, I totally agree with that. All right, well, thank you guys again for listening. We appreciate your support, and um, you can always follow us on Twitter at For the Glory OOS. Um, continue to follow us on Facebook For the Glory of Old State. Continue to follow the website. Um, we do our predictions on there. I know Corey does a little bit of a post game 
you know, kind of wrap up and, you know, he kind of supplied his thoughts on, you know, let's look at this team through a different lens. Um, so if you're interested in reading his stuff, um, go ahead. Um, he also does hardcore college football. You can find him on Twitter. He just got to 2,300 followers on Twitter, I saw. Um, so congratulations to him. And then also follow our friends at For the Bloggy. They do a great job over there as well. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.